Let's travel together. There's a Trav Market Media Network podcast for your commute, dog walk, or dinner prep time. Find more at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. Today I am pleased to have Julia Matheson on the program with me today. This is our first time having Julia on the podcast. So Julia, thank you and uh, welcome. Yay, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and I appreciate you asking me to be on. Yeah, we've been on a couple panels together, but you've never been on my podcast. So this is a, a great uh, opportunity for me to have you on and also to talk about um, a place that I'd like to know more about, which is selfishly a lot of the ways I plan my podcast episodes. <laughs> but would you take As a moment? <laughs> yeah, right. So would you take a moment quick to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I am a um, independent travel advisor uh, who specializes in France. Since I'm a bit of a francophile, I studied abroad there, majored in French in undergrad and also in um, business school, and eventually found myself um, planning travel, but planning travel for French people in the U.S. Oh, and I did that for several years. Yeah, um, and that was a really wonderful way. I how I became really fluent in French because my whole office was French and all my clients were French. But uh, then I realized that I would, I was really more passionate about sending Americans abroad, you know, to France and, you know, further afield. And so that's, I started my business um, back in 2000, uh, well, 13, 14, um, thereabouts. And yeah, I, I just, well, <laughs> I am a sucker for all things French. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> well, the French do some nice things, and I'm thankful historically yeah. for the French in the life of our country. So, yeah. you know, and they are yeah. very, okay, anyway, they are <laughs> wonderful to Americans. So let's, but let's, um, then we should say, you know, uh, oh, wait, hold on. First, let's tell people where they can find you online in case they want to follow along. Sure. Yes. Uh, my website is Travel Julia's Way. So just www.traveljuliasway.com kind of a mouthful, but I'm a little bit opinionated and a little bit bossy, so I decided that, <laughs> <laughs> that that's the way people should travel. <laughs> fine. That's fine. And and I've seen I've seen your videos. And we should say that you you have a lot of uh, YouTube videos. Um so a yeah. lot of your blog posts lead into a video and they're great. So people should check those out. Yeah. So yeah then, and I just reorganized them on my website. So there's they're organized by sort of before travel, during travel, and then there's a bunch of France goodies too. Yeah. I like it that it's like France and then everything else. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, your website's great. It's actually given me some ideas on how to rebuild mine. So uh, yeah, nice website. So then let's talk about where we're going today. Where are we going today? Well, France, of Of course, (laughs) of course, of course. So then, um, 
this is going to be an episode that breaks down France for newbies or even for people who may have been there, you know, approximately three times. Went to Paris twice, Normandy <laughs> once, Paris Disney. Basically seen the places, ate and drank lots of French culture, but still don't know what's up. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, that mm-hmm. is me. And um, so then, you know, how should we approach France and make its regions tangible and maybe mentally retainable for listeners or for, you know, travel professionals who have a request but don't know how to approach it? Right. Well, it's kind of hard because for me to narrow it down because France is so wonderful and it is so diverse, surprisingly, and there and every region really does have sort of its own distinct characteristics, but there are sort of four, four and a half maybe regions that are, are the biggies that you would want to focus on after you've done Paris and Normandy. And frankly, Normandy, I, I want to make sure that when you went, it wasn't just a day trip, right? Like you spent a couple nights maybe there. <laughs> no, it was a day trip from a cruise ship. That that time was, a, oh, that no. time was a day trip from a cruise ship. Well, yeah, that's, that's what the, uh, that's what the itinerary allowed for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, Normandy is, <laughs> that's okay. Normandy is much, much more than just the landing beaches. It is wonderful and definitely deserves a couple days if people have the chance. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, it was this kind of thing where like we just couldn't fit it all in. And so we specifically okay. said that if we could only go to Normandy for a day, uh, cause my husband is U.S. uh, armed services. I, we said we, we want to go see the beaches because they're, they're, you know, important to our lives. Uh, so that's all we had time to do, but I'm looking to learn about yep. some more. So let's talk about region one of the four and a half regions of France. <laughs> so the most popular region uh, outside of Paris um, and Normandy is Provence. And Provence is sort of the fairy tale, the iconic southern France region that everyone sort of dreams about with the fields of lavender and sunflowers mm. and the cute little houses and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, like, and, and Provence is a little bit uh, challenging because people say like, I want to do all that. And and you can do all that easily, but there's so much to do and see. And so there's sort of, there's three different like cities that you could base yourself out of or, or towns if you don't want to be like in a country house in a village, which sure. is also very popular and very worth doing. You mean it's um, like living the so bell life, cities. right? Beauty and the Beast. Right. Get... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Disney focused or based Beauty and the Beast on Alsace, actually, the, the little villages in Alsace that when they drew it. But okay. that's also adorable and charming. But yes, but yes, the, the country said the whole A Year in Provence, Peter Mail's, you know, landmark books, you know, the whole like quirky villagers and delicious food and wine yes, and yes. sun drenched, you know, all of that. Yes. Wonderful. And so you either want to base yourself out of Avignon, Arles, or Aix-en-Provence. And those are three, those are you sort of Provence and actually the Provence all people will, will kind of argue with you on this, but to, to most of us, the Provence is what's around that triangle of three cities. Okay. Um, and Arles and Avignon are right on the Rhone River, and this is right in the south central part of France. And so Avignon is famous for having the Palace of the Pope, which it was the seat, the papal seat for mm. 
I don't know, 100 or 200 years or so, mm-hmm. uh, when there was a split from Rome. And so that is a really, like, fantastic kind of medieval Renaissance palace that you can tour. Mm-hmm. And Arles has amazing Roman ruins, and it's also where Van Gogh painted. So there's, like, oh, yes. all kinds of cute walks you can do. And then Aix-en-Provence is, is more of a university town. It's more... Um, it doesn't have any like big claims to fame like like the other two does, but it's it's almost more of like a pleasant, livable city, and it's also easier to get to to the coastal part of Provence if you wanted to mm. do that. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean Provence has so much, and you can you can if you're a Roman history nut, like you go to Provence. If you're a wine nut, you go to Provence. If you're in gardening fan you go to Provence like mm. foodie you know art like it really does like you could base a trip around any one of those interests and easily spend a week or two in Provence and be perfectly happy it's and and I didn't mean market like every little Provence village has a market yeah. and, and they are smart and they space them out right and so like on Wednesday the big market is in this town and on you know, Thursday, the big markets in this town and, you know, this town is big with antiques versus oh. this town is big with food. And, you know, I could do a whole trip big with right like style. that. I could just do follow yeah, the exactly. markets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's actually the trip that I've been wanting to do. And I can't quite ever get it scheduled and make it happen. But yeah, like just run a villa in the Louveron. The Louveron is the valley sort of, um, just north of Aix-en-Provence and that's where Peter Mayall lives. And so that's where that book is set. So, you know, all these towns that he talks about and markets and stuff that he talks about in that book. Yeah. This should be one of the travel with Julia trips, the the (laughs) market, the market trip. I need to make that happen. Market and literature (laughs) or something. I don't even know. There's a lot to do there. That's exciting. I hope that comes together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) this is the the other one. well, I was going to say the other one is wine mm. because you have not only the pro, the the Provencal like uh, rosés, you know, rosé all day. Mm-hmm. Those are on the coast, but then you have the Côte d'Iron region, um, which is sort of a, slightly north of Avignon, and then right outside of Avignon is the Châteauneuf de Pop region, and so those are lots of really delicious and less regulated wines than you get in like Burgundy and Bordeaux. So That's interesting. It's a great wine. Yeah. I think the great thing about French wine is that they've been growing it for so long that if it was a bad vine or a bad grape, they're like, we pulled that thing out 300 years ago. So, you know, (laughs) just pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So is that where, is that where we're going to conclude region one? I guess so. I I feel like that's barely scratching the surface, but, but yes, Provence is, is definitely one of the top regions if you have not been elsewhere in the countryside of France. Okay, and we're going to characterize it by gardens, Roman history, and market towns. Yes. Okay, cool. Do you have, like, a favorite (laughs) memorable experience that you want to share with us from that region? Um, Well, I think one of my favorite uh, activities that I suggest to clients is uh, instead of just going to see the Pont du Gard, Pontegard is the big um, Roman aqueduct with like three oh, cool. levels of, of Roman arches. Oh, yeah. It's really famous. Um, cool. And, and you can obviously just go to it and there's a museum and all that good stuff. But instead of just doing that, especially if you're traveling with 
kids, which I know you do normally. Oh, yes. Um, is you can go upriver just, you know, five or 10 minutes or whatever and rent canoes and canoe down the guard river. And so you like canoe under this Roman aqueduct. That and it is incredible. It's just a, yeah, it's a really fun experience. And I mean, the locals hang out on the, the riverbank. It's like a, a sort of a beach, you know, situation. And, and it's just a really, really fun way of spending an afternoon. My kids would love being that. in the grind of tourism. Yeah. yeah. And you get to see it from a different angle, which I, you know, that's something I like mm-hmm. to do. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not crowded, right? You're just, I mean, I guess it could be. No, but the, I mean, the, the museum and the, the, the home, you know, the, the site can be crowded. And I mean, the beach when I was there was like semi crowded with locals, but like canoeing down the river, it's not, you know, like hugely crowded. No. Cool. That's an awesome tip. All right. So what yeah. about um, if we pass on to, you know, another region? Well, so if you're in Provence and what a lot of people do combine with it is right next door, but a definitely a separate region in my mind is the Riviera or the oh. Côte d'Azur, right? Mm. And it's only, you definitely could do both of these regions in one trip. Um, mm. I mean, it's only like a three or four hour drive. From the okay. heart of Provence to the heart of the Riviera. Um, oh, and just jumping back to Provence real quick. Another reason why it's so easy is that there's a TGV train station, the high speed train station in Avignon. So it's oh, only yeah. a two or three hour train ride from Paris down there. So super easy. Just um, don't do it in December because uh, they be striking. They be striking hard. <laughs> well, they could be striking at any time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the Riviera, you can also take the train, although it's slightly less, um, convenient. There is an airport in Nice and there are, um, very tons of quick little flights to and from Paris from Nice. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the Riviera is sort of, Nice is the heart, like the biggest city of the Riviera and it's the most like, um, it's the most like normal people can, can hang out there <laughs> city. Yeah. Some of those cities like San Tropez and Cannes and, you know, Monaco, those are, you know, very sort of wealthy, very where the, the wealthy people go and play. And, and so they're fabulous to see. Mm. But sometimes if you're on a budget, you might want to stay at Nice, which I actually love Nice. I think Nice is a fabulous city. It's got lots of really great museums um, and still has, you know, the car, the culture. And, you know, you, it feels like locals actually live there, whereas you know, some of the other cities are sort of just seem like vacation playlands yeah, know, a little bit. Nice has um, an artist community, right? Like they, uh, Very. and they say that the light yeah. is the best there. So artists go to paint and yes. that sounds well, amazing to me. Yeah. But I mean, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And I mean, so the light thing is all over the Riviera. It really does have like a special light. But Nice, I mean, Nice has amazing art museums. It's got uh, Chagall, a whole museum dedicated to Chagall, a whole museum dedicated to Matisse, a wonderful, like, modern art museum with all of the sort of local artists mm-hmm. who have painted there um, over the years. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is spectacular. And then outside of Nice, inland, just a, a bit, is the the really art, artsy little village of uh, Saint-Paul-de-Vent, V-E-N-C-E. And um, that is like one of those just adorable little like kind of medieval like walled you know like hilltop hilltop villages that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. so charming. And that's 
full of art galleries. That's like all art galleries and cute restaurants and that it can get a little overrun with tourists in the summer, but if mm. you can go in the spring or the fall, it's fantastic. Wonderful. So. Wonderful. Yeah. So, so what about us about region two? We're going to qualify it as uh coastal and coastal. Yes. This is fun in the sun. This okay. is sun drenched views for days. Yachting is the thing. Um, so, you know, running a, a yacht for the afternoon, it would definitely be a fun thing to do the really beautiful drives along the coast, you know, mm. um, obviously you can pop into Monaco, which Ooh. of course is its own city state, but, um, it really is part of the French Riviera. Um, and you know, you can see the palace and the casinos and stuff there. Um, but it's, it's very, very much like a CNBC sort of resort. Towns, <sighs> all of these different towns along the way, like can't, you know, can has, you have to obviously be careful and not go to try and go to Cannes during the Cannes Film Festival. Right. <laughs> but, you know, they have all these beautiful avenues. Like Cannes has La Croisette, which is where um, the film festival takes place. And Nice has the Promenade des, uh, des Anges, or excuse me, des Anglais. Um, and they're just these grand avenues that you have, like these beautiful old Art Deco hotels. Mm. And, you know, just sitting in the cafe or, you know, all of the hotels generally have beach clubs associated with them. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you know, just go, because usually there's like a, a, a road between the boardwalk and the hotel. Right. And so, you know, from the boardwalk, then you've got the beach. I will warn everyone, though, there are some sandy beaches on the Riviera, but a lot of the beaches on the Riviera are pebble beaches. Yes. And so, so that's something, that's why there are all these beach clubs with like, you know, nice, chaises and and umbrellas and stuff like that that you can either have access to if you are you know booking with the hotel or you can you know buy a day pass or whatever yeah i was going to ask you that question because there was a time when my husband was looking at a university in nice and that was what we noticed was Mm -hmm. that the beaches were all pebble beaches it doesn't stop people though they like they put their blanket out they lay down you just turn that rock the other (laughs) way till it's smooth no problem you can lay down (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it lets the water be crystal clear you know because there's not so it's not all mucked up with sand mm, so. awesome okay so yep. we have yeah. artist culture it's the coastal sun fun in the sun and are we mm-hmm. are we also doing wine here we have the rosés here there are rosés but it's not as much grown here you know what else i mean so obviously any everywhere in france you eat and drink and have wine, but the, but actually it is interesting that more of the rosés are grown more towards Provence than in the Riviera. Okay. What, what they do in the Riviera a lot is perfume. There's grass, the town of grass is a big perfume center. And so you can go and and have your own perfume made. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. So do you have a favorite memory that you'd like to share from, you know, this fun in the sun area? <laughs> um, I, yes. So interestingly, I haven't been back to the Riviera in about 20 years. So I am way, way, way overdue a visit. Um, but I will say that going to Ez, which is a village right in between Monaco and Nice, mm-hmm. and that's spelled E-Z-E. Ez is one of these just magical places on earth because it's a little tiny, you know, cobblestone village 
way up on a cliff. Mm. And you, from the, if memory serves, you, you do have to, you know, park and then walk up quite a bit to get into the village. And oh, you just cool. have these views that are drop dead gorgeous. And that I think I did a perfume experience there that I still remember. And um, though I think grass is the better place for it, but as has some, a couple just fabulous hotels and like five star, you know, three star Michelin restaurants, I think. Um, but just <clears throat> as is, is one of those really special magical little places that I always try and get people to, uh, to pop into for an evening or an afternoon or something like that, because mm. it's just so special. Yeah. sounds like good photo ops there. Oh, definitely. Awesome. So then, do we want to go to the third region that you've been thinking about? Yes. So the the next two and a half regions so are are really focused on wine, mm. uh, but that's why I'm adding a half because <laughs> we'll we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about um, Bordeaux next because Bordeaux is probably the more famous wine most famous wine region in France mm-hmm. and. And the city of Bordeaux is actually becoming uh, really like a, a destination in itself. I mean, a lot of Parisians are moving to Bordeaux. There's now a high speed high speed train connection that I think gets you from Paris to Bordeaux in about two hours. Oh wow! So yeah, so that's um, improved the access to Bordeaux itself. And of course, Bordeaux has great uh, wine themed river cruises. Um, I mean, Bordeaux is is really all about wine. Um, and the thing, so Bordeaux city is a really beautiful city. It's got, um, some really cool medieval history, a really great cathedral and stuff like that. But really the wine regions is why you go to Bordeaux. And so this is why I think Bordeaux is a little bit challenging because you kind of need like a night or two in the city. And then if you are a real true wine aficionado, you're going to want to go to both sides of the rivers Mm. because you've got the. Um, you've got the Garonne River that uh, that the um, city's on, I believe. Yes, the Garonne and the Dordogne come together, and then they go out to the Atlantic. And so, on the east side of the river is what we know of as the what's well, like the Medoc. It's it's a bunch of the the Appalachians or whatever the the AOCs, the region, growing regions um, that were in the classification that Napoleon did back in what 18 well I don't know 1802 or I don't remember when it was but mm. and so that's where you get these super famous um premier crew class a you know crew class a all those different designations that these, I don't even know anything um, about boundaries. that it's fascinating well that's <laughs> I, I can get into one but um <laughs> so like Chateau Margaux like all these famous wine regions from Bordeaux are mostly on the east side of the river. Okay. So between the river and the Atlantic and it's more flat and that's like the, the Grand Chateau and stuff like that. But on the west side, they, they somehow just weren't included in the Napoleon classification marketing ploy. Marketing and ploy, they were yes. very upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> it that's really what it was, <laughs> but um, they were really upset because they actually are probably better quality wines over on the west side of the river. Mm. And so on the west side of the river, around Saint-Emilion, which is a really beautiful, cute little village, um, there are, are also extremely high-priced and very, very good wines over on 
the west side of the city and the river. Mm. And so you, if you're going to Bordeaux for wine, you definitely probably need, like I said, at least a day in the city and then at least a day on the east side and one day on the west side. So, you know, at least three or four nights. That sounds good. That sounds really good. So then, I mean, you're talking about Bordeaux. I mean, that's your 10-day trip yeah. right there. Just in Bordeaux. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and, how and many bottles Bordeaux of wine very- can you fit in your suitcase? <laughs> I think there's something about a limit with six. <laughs> you can bring back six bottles without any taxes, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we'll have to find that out and put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, and so the, but I know that not everybody is into, into wine, right? I mean, of mm-hmm. course, a lot of people are. But if you're not into wine, you know, maybe you just go and do a couple days in Bordeaux. But then you go a little bit inland down the Dordogne River because the Dordogne re- meets up with the Drone. And that's right, kind of right where Bordeaux is. But if you go down the Dordogne River, which is not navigable by ships very far. Mm-hmm. So if you go past where the ships can go, you get into the beautiful, fabulous, wonderful region of the Dordogne or the Perry Ward. And that is my, my happy. That's my, uh, that's oh. like my probably favorite region of France. And that's oh. why I always try and convince people to like add a couple nights there. <laughs> oh, interesting. It's so, special. <laughs> so tell me yeah. why, why is it so special to you? So it is so special because it has, it still has the food and the wine that you would expect. It's like the sort of goose capital of France. That's where they make all the foie gras and oh. all the different pâtés and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's always still there. It's got older chateaux than you see in like the Loire or um, other parts of France. This is more like um, kind of 14th, 15th century chateau. So they're okay. a little bit more fortressy and old. And then the really special things that you get in the Dordogne are the cave paintings. Oh. So if you've heard of like, yeah, if you've heard of like Lascaux, no. Lascaux was the first discovered. Yes. Oh God, it's amazing. So these are prehistoric paint, paintings in caves. Huh. And there are a bunch of them in this particular region, region of France because it's all, I think, limestone. Yes. And so there are lots of caves. Um, and back in the fifties, the 1950s, you know, some kids were exploring and they found this cave with these amazing drawings of, huh. you know, cows and, and or, you know, buffalo probably. Um, and turns out that they are, you know, hundreds of millions of years old. I mean, crazy, crazy old. Hmm. And so all through this region and I think down into Northern Spain too, but, um, they have all these prehistoric art that they've discovered in these caves. And I toured, how many did I get to? Three. I, I, I knew it was a feature of the region, so I knew I had to go to Lascaux because Lascaux is the most famous one. And they now have, I think, a third copy built because, unfortunately, what happened at Lascaux is as soon as, like, people started going into it, our, our carbon dioxide that we emitted started oh. to, to eroding the paint. Like, oh. it, it ruined it. Yeah. And so, yeah, they built a copy, which was called Lasco 2. And that's, I think, the one I saw. But I think there's even an even better copy slash visitor center thing that they built. It's Lasco 3 now. But they're mm. all right in the same area. And it's, and it, so, like I said, I was in the copy and I still cry because it's mm. so amazing. And they built, like, and they use the same techniques that they could, as far as they can tell, 
Um, and they, you know, it was to the millimeter, but like copied. So even though it's copied, it's so moving and it's so just shocking and impressive that it's there mm. and that people were there all those millions of years ago and did all this. And so I went to, I think, four or five different caves, but then there are, I think, maybe six or eight that you can visit in the Dordogne region, mm. kind of greater region. So it was just mind-blowing to me. It was amazing. I had no idea. This is great. I know. Yeah, we. Um, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. that they did a replica because, you know, um, Stonehenge, and we, so we've done some of these kind of, um, you know, that sort of burial or, you know, uh, there's debate about yeah. what it was used for. But um, what if, yeah, <laughs> and we've done the cairns in Ireland and Scotland, um, like um, Nowth, Douth, Newgrange, part of Brunaboyne is the town, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. but they let yeah. people into them still. Well, I mean, probably mm-hmm. not now, but it would be. I mean, and they have beautiful visitor centers, but I don't know that they had ever mm-hmm. thought to do a replica, because yeah, yeah, that would be. I think, um, I don't want to say impressive, but impactful for the tourists. Yeah. Cause people want to go yeah. in the stones. And I was standing there with a lady mm-hmm. who, um, who as a, you know, high school, like that, that's just, they will go to, for the solstice and they just go camp out there. They create a fire and they just sleep uh, under the stones. Yeah. And so she's standing there next yeah. to me telling her daughter this and, and she, and as mm-hmm. we're, you know, 30 feet back or whatever by the ropes. And it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's interesting that they did that. Yeah. I'm glad they did that. That's, I, yeah. I would like that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure why they did the third one. I think maybe to do a better, like sort of museum around it because the, the one I went to, I mean, it really was still just like sort of a cave. Like they, they still like dug down into the earth and, and I mean, every dimension was exactly the same. I mean, and they packed us in. I can't imagine because it's so high in the band because you can only mm-hmm. get, I don't know, say 20 people in, into it at one time. Oh, and okay. that was like packed in like sardines. Um, so I don't have a clue how they're handling it with the current, you know, COVID mm. yeah, regulations. But, um, I wonder if it's <laughs> probably virtual. not. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I don't know, but because virtual, it doesn't, like the scale doesn't, especially with Lascaux, the scale doesn't come across mm. because, and, and, and it, what's also interesting is all the caves are very different. So, um, there were huge caves that were like caverns that you, like, I think one, I rode a little train down oh. and then like you had to like kind of crouch because it got really, um, short the, the cave did yeah. but the the paintings of the buffalo and stuff were on the ceiling and so you had to sort of crouch down and look up and another one was like a huge you know like if you've ever been to any of the caverns you know in the southeast you mm-hmm, know it mm-hmm. was like huge like that a big open cavern and you had to sort of follow a guide along a little marked path to get to the different drawings oh, you know so and cool. like that one had a, a handprint you know so there's just so many amazing the, they're called grot g-r-o-t-t-e-s but yeah the, the grots down in the Dordogne river or Dordogne region are just to me they're super special and super unique so yeah that's and, why i'd like to try and add it in and i would have no idea i just when i i mean yeah. i've been to france and you know just trying to hit the highlights just to take advantage of the time yeah. but that's the kind of thing that <laughs> yeah. really my interest and my children would get a lot out of it. So that's, that's yeah. really good. And tip. a lot of them are, yeah. Well, thanks. A lot yeah. of them are very, um, 
geared to kids too and, and, you know, make it exciting for them. So. Cool. So then, you know, yeah. we've got one and a half regions there. So we're going to characterize Bordeaux <laughs> as wine, le- you know, East and West Bank. Yeah. Check out the West Bank. Yeah. And, um, and mm-hmm. we've got the cave region, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Anything else we want to put into Bordeaux? Uh, well, they also have cognac and they also have these giant sand dunes on the coast. Oh. Um, yeah, they have some of the largest sand dunes I think on in Europe mm. uh, on 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 the coast. So that's another excursion you can do is uh, instead of wine or cognac, you can go out to sand dunes, and um, they are beautiful. I say to myself, "Oh, sand dunes! I had no idea, but I've seen them." So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Is this Sorry. COVID brain? I don't know Neither what's happening. So well, that's, that's good to know. So then what about, um, you know, region four, where are we going? So the last region is another one of my favorites and that's the area. I'll call it broadly Burgundy, but this is basically everything between Lyon and Dijon. Mm. So that's sort of central west, uh, uh, eastern part of France. Okay. Okay. So then how are we going to characterize and- this region? Well, this is another wine region, another wine and fruit region specifically. Um, but the interesting thing is, so Bordeaux and Burgundy have a bit of a rivalry inside of France as far as, especially with the wine, because, and I'm going to history dork out on you a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah, please. <laughs> so Bordeaux is in the region of Aquitaine. And if you remember, if you've ever heard of Eleanor of Aquitaine, yes, you will perhaps remember that she was married to the king of France, but then she divorced him and married the king who, well, married the guy that became the king of England. So Aquitaine was part of England for about two or 300 years. And so that's partly why Bordeaux is so good at exporting their wines because they always have been like, that's what claret is in England is Bordeaux wine. And so, (laughs) so, (laughs) yeah. I'm just laughing um, at the royal families because they're so intermingled. Sorry, keep going. It's so intermingled. (laughs) Um, But so that's, Bordeaux always, has always historically exported their wines. Whereas, and it wasn't part of France when France really sort of started becoming into its its own, as its own country. And so Burgundy likes to say that they are the wine of kings. Ah. Um, and that is, that is very much the French, the very, very traditional, very French, very, uh, proprietary region of wines, the, the Burgundy region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas Bordeaux, I mean, they had cannons pointed into the city to keep people from invading France, quote unquote, from Bordeaux. So, you know, so there's oh, just this very interesting dichotomy between mm. the two regions. Mm. Um, but, but so Bordeaux is, just, I find it more charming. I find it more bucolic, more, um, I mean, it's definitely not, it's not like it's lower market. The most expensive wines in the world come from the uh, Burgundy region of wine. Mm. Um, you have the, the coach, you have, you have lots of different wine regions. Again, I won't get too far into it, but basically from Dijon down to Bone, B-A-U-N-E, that is like the very, very, very high end wines. Mm. Um, 
uh, and then from Bone down to Burgundy, uh, to Lyon, that's, you go into more of the, the area of the white, the whites of Burgundy, the, and then into the Beaujolais region. So the Beaujolais wine region is right outside of Lyon. Oh, and we just like have Beaujolais. Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every and of course, Beaujolais is famous. Yeah, for the Nouveau Beaujolais. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, and that's actually a beautiful wine, wine region too. You know, it's all rolling hills and their classification system is different than Bordeaux's. They all, they use the same terminology, but it's all the, instead of just being marketing, in their case, it's where the grapes are grown. Because in Burgundy's case, it's all about terroir and, and location and water mm. runoff and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, so it's very different. Um, mm. and, and like I said, very old and traditional. I did so. not know. That's good to know. So then, yeah, in, yeah so, I mean, it, are we in Champagne now? Is that the, is this where we are or that's? No, Champagne. No, Champagne is further north. It's Champagne is right outside of Paris, actually. Okay. But, Chablis, yeah, Chablis, the Chablis Chardonnay, the, that is technically in Burgundy, but that's closer to Champagne. But we are down further south. So, again, Lyon is about two hours by train from Paris. Uh, and Dijon would be probably about two hours as well. Dijon probably isn't serviced by the, the high-speed train. I was line, just trying to think like about classifications and where that would fit in, but... I am wrong. And that's why, you know, that's why you're <laughs> the expert. And I am not. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Champagne is its own thing. It's own little wine region. All right. So, but so that's like of, another happy, yeah. another happy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I think of, I try and convince people to do a day trip to Champagne instead of a day trip to Normandy. Ah. Um, because it's an easier, it's an easier day trip. It's only an hour train out to Champagne from, from the city. And that's like a little local train. Yeah. So. I guess it depends just on your interests, but yeah. True. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. sorry. Um, let's get back to, um, okay. let's get back. Yeah. Sorry, go to ahead. Burgundy mm-hmm. and Leon. Well, yeah. So Burgundy is all, all totally wine, like all wine. Uh, but Lyon is super fascinating city. It's, it and Bordeaux are about, they, I think, are third and fourth largest cities, Paris being first, Marseille being second, and then Lyon and Bordeaux, and I'm not quite sure which one's three and which one's four. But they, but so Lyon is a very cosmopolitan city. It's, it's you know, right on a confluence of, of several different rivers. Um, and it's obviously the, it's really the culinary capital of France, because if you know the chef, or if you've ever heard of the chef, um, of Paul Bocuse, He's, um, he just passed away a couple years ago now. Um, mm. but he is basically the father of French cuisine, um, modern French cuisine as we know it today. Mm. So Lyon, you know, he has a cooking school there. There's just amazing food markets. There's amazing, they have, um, the little restaurants there instead of being bistro, they're called like Bouchon. Oh. Um, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're called Bouchon. I just had a brain fart. Um, and they're, those are like little neighborhood bistros or brasseries or whatever, but they have, Lyon has its own specific culinary style and its own, like their specific Lyonnaise dishes that you really only get in Lyon. And it is, it's really cool. <laughs> Plus Lyon has a huge silk trading history. So it has all these old silk work, uh, warehouses and things oh. like that. Um, Interesting. it's just, yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool, um, city. 
for sure. Okay. Every time I've gone to Lyon, I've wanted to stay longer. Oh, but, that's a good plug for them. That's really good. Yeah. So then if we yeah. had to talk about, if we had to, please let us delight in talking about um, your favorite memory <laughs> there. Uh, well, <laughs> I think my favorite, it has to do with food, of course, because it always does. Of course. Um, in Lyon. But a friend of mine before I went said, oh, you have to go and get a canal. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is. And I will spell it for you because it doesn't sound like it sounds. Okay. It's, uh, canal is, is Q-U-E-N-E-L-L-E. No, that's not and what I was thinking. <laughs> typically, right. Yeah, exactly. So a, a canal de brochet, uh, is, is the technical term. And it's the weirdest sounding food. I could, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a fish souffle, sort mm. of. Okay. Um, it's so it's just really soft, pillowy. You get sort of like a log of it. Okay, <laughs> it's, but it's very soft and pillowy. I don't think any French a, chef wants you soft. to describe their food as a log. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it's a canal. A canal is actually, I think, a shape, or it's a. I think that's actually the technique of of making the form. Mm. But but it's it, so it's like with two spoons, okay. except for these are large. Okay. And they all, and, Sorry, um, free describe the log already. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and then it's usually in this like deep, rich crawfish sauce. Oh. And it is, so when it got brought out to me, it had a little crawfish on top. And I was like, oh dear God, what is this strange white fluffy thing sitting in a, you know, and I, and it melts in your mouth and it's just the most delightful light tasting thing considering what it looks like it's going to be and mm. so every time every time i go to Lyon, i get the same freaking thing i get a salad with a poached egg and lardon on it and then i get a canal de brochet that sounds so good <laughs> and i just can't eat anything else <laughs> and you know in my mind it ties in um you know to louisiana where where some of the mm-hmm. aspects of their cooking come from because when we say french creole this is yep. the french portion of that that's interesting. Yep. Mm. Yep. That it is. Amazing. Yeah, I think that they do something similar down there. But um, I mean, it's definitely with crawfish. But well, you know what? <sighs> Since we're going to be, I mean, you've proven that we're not completely landlocked. But for some of us, you know, that are, that have <laughs> some greater reservations and hesitations to travel, mm-hmm. I mean, a road trip to Louisiana is is more doable than uh, than getting True. to France at the moment. So that's that's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Something to think about. Well, and and actually, speaking of road trips, you could easily do a road trip through all four of these regions. Mm-hmm. You know, start in Paris, take the train down to Bordeaux, and then you you know it's a longish drive from the Bordeaux Dordogne region over to Provence. Um, but you could stop in Carcassonne, which is a wonderful medieval walled city, for a night, and then you know spend a week in Provence, and then from Provence up to Lyon. Again, it's a, a, you know, maybe a six hour drive, but you mm. could do it. Oh, I forgot the Riviera. You could go, you could pop over the Riviera for a couple of days. Boom. Um, but fair warning, if you drive from the Riviera to Lyon, you're going to have to drive through the Alps, which might be a challenge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Choose your you time of it. year. Yeah, but, you could do it. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, if you wanted to, you know, the, the traveling slower and traveling more privately and, you know, road tripping is definitely something people are into this, this day and age. 
And when Europe opens up, if you want to sort of avoid the cities, you could definitely plan a trip around these four or five regions. Yeah, and if you're a U.S. Easily. listener, I mean, it's it's driver-friendly in the sense that you'll n- not need to drive on the left. So, Correct. It, yeah, so it'll be, it'll make, you know, other than you need to probably have a very good GPS that can give you directions in English, um, yeah, you'll be... Yeah you'll be pretty comfortable uh, driving on the right-hand side of the road. So there you go. Absolutely. I found it incredibly easy to drive around. I did it by myself. So good. um, Yeah. With a good GPS uh, and, and I mean, stop is stop in French and in English. So that's, that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) What? Yeah. So stop is stop. Uh, Oh, sorry. I'm thinking about, nope, wrong country. Never mind. <laughs> Welsh. I'm thinking about it. The stop in Welsh is a raff and it's painted everywhere. A raff. Sorry. Anyway, no, not French. Okay. Um, yes, but, um, sorry about that. Um, well, okay. I'm, I'm just so thankful that you helped me make a little more sense of France because I've been there, but not, um, you know, able to get to all of it because it is so huge and you do have to plan mm-hmm. differently when you have children with you. And we were doing some very child friendly right. things like Disneyland Paris, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but right. this is, uh, this is good for, you know, looking forward to some time with my husband post COVID, maybe getting to, mm-hmm. to outside of those, you know, uh, what should I say? Like m- more popular touristy areas or first time traveler areas. So this is really mm-hmm. helpful. So thank you for that. No good. Now, is there anything that I've forgotten before we close this out or or stop stop talking about the regions or of France? Um, No, nothing that you've forgotten. I realized that I didn't mention something that's between Provence and the Riviera that I love. We'll shoot it. Go ahead. It's it's another sort of family, very family-friendly area and another natural area. And it's the Gorge du Verdun, mm-hmm. or Verdun, D-R-D-O-N, not the, not the battlefield site. Okay. That's Verdun. Or anyway, um, it's the, it's, they call it the Grand Canyon of France, quote unquote, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's this spectacular gorge, you know, thin canyon, and you can like do canyoning or, uh, you know, I did something called uh, water hiking, aqua randonnée, oh. uh, which is, I was basically like, tromping through the river and then like sliding through a couple of water slides and cool. you know things like that with this beautiful gorge above and it ends in this beautiful lake that's like the brightest blue I've ever seen and it's just a wonderful kind of stop if you are driving from Provence to the Riviera. Oh that's so. a good tip. That's another good place. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm it so is. glad it's that great. you're giving us your tips here. I really like it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well then, uh, oh, thank you. So then two quick questions and I'll ask you both at one time. If travelers want to contact you, are you taking new clients? And if travel agents want to contact you, are you available as a, you know, to, to, you know, as a little bit of a sounding board for them? Absolutely. Um, definitely taking new clients, uh, (laughs) you know, post, post COVID. Sure. Once borders open up, you know, it'll be a lot easier. But, um, mm-hmm. but yes, I do. I don't only do trips to France. I do France trips all over the world, really. Um, mm-hmm. But France is my specialty. And so, yeah, if any, any travel agents are listening or advisors, you know, need some help or advice, I'm happy 
to help with that. And I also, like I said, I do have a lot of resources on my website as well. That's true. You do. You can hop on there. That's true. Yeah, it might even yeah. be faster. Shoot, you got you do have a lot of great videos. <laughs> you do. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me on the podcast again. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying thank you for listening. If you have not done so, um, I always appreciate a review or a subscription. So thanks so much. And um, yeah, uh, this is Megan Chapa awkwardly saying, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just leave that in <laughs> just like that. <laughs> cool. <laughs>listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast, a podcast designed for you, the travel professional. Is there something you would like to hear or do you have feedback? Please write to us at podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcasts with an S at travmarketmedia.com.